Hi guys, I'm your host Tim McLean. Welcome to the latest edition of We Need to Talk About Movies, a podcast brought to you by the Bantaflix Movie Review website. This week, it's a Disney special. We've had a Disney theme on the TV show on NVTV, and we're carrying that on in the podcast, and I'm joined on this recording via Skype, because remember people, social distancing, keep washing the hands, all that stuff. I'm joined this week by our resident Disney expert. When else? When we're having a Disney week, we kind of need to get her on. That, of course, is Victoria Brown. Hello, everyone. I feel like I've, I've, I forgot there, Victoria, to throw in the local writer and now you know you are a fully fledged local writer because you were so proud of that the last time so i feel like i, I should redo that and say i'm very happy I, I i should go not to mention local writer victoria brown you can do that if you like that's that's all okay anyway how have you been how are you holding up with all the covid madness victoria Fuck, i'm not too bad like i quite enjoy being at home if i'm honest <laughs> So you, what you're saying, are you, are you a bit like my parents then? Have, have you been socially distancing for years before it got trendy? Oh yeah. I'm an expert by now. Yeah. Yeah. My parents are pretty kind of, you phone them and you go, (laughs) hi, how are you? How are you doing? How are you not handling getting out and think? No, it's fine. It's really fine. We're just watching the history channel or we're watching, you know, (laughs) if it's a case of my mother, you know, you know, if she could find the Christmas movie channel, if that was on, I don't know if that's back on or not, but you know, my mother will sit and quite happily watch. Like, I think, is it like Hallmark or whatever it is who do those yes. really terrible cheesy, kind of cheesy Christmas movies? Yeah, cheesy Christmas movies. My and you go, Mum, we have you know Sky movies. Other you know places are available, of course, <laughs> listeners. And Mum would be like, I could just like these ones because they're nice. They're nice stories. Like, oh, oh, bless her. <laughs> all right, okay. So we've been talking about Disney Plus and the TV show. We were talking about Frozen 2. I know the last time I spoke to you, Victoria, you hadn't seen it. So key question here. Drum roll, please. Have you seen it yet, Victoria? No, but I have I have a valid reason. That's okay. You're going to blame coronavirus. <laughs> All right, then. Okay. It is available on loan. It is available now digitally to digital download, Victoria. So you have no excuse. It's available now because I know there was a whole lot of excitement. It was going to be on Disney Plus because it's been moved quickly onto Disney Plus in America, but mm-hmm. it's not on Disney Plus here because. Right. See, I saw, I know Amazon have it, but you have to rent it. Yeah. So kind of until it's free. <laughs> Yeah, I I rented it again for the TV show. And, you know, I, I know you haven't seen it, so this is kind of an impossible conversation. I still have reservations with it. I still think that the central narrative is a bit meh, but the underlying themes that I know you've talked about in the past, about things you mentioned within Frozen and other things you, you, you've talked about as our resident Disney expert, are things that are really strong in Frozen 2, if not stronger. So it's just a shame that the general overall narrative is a bit meh. But anyway, that was me talking about, me, a 36-year-old man talking about a movie for kids in the TV show. (laughs) So that's what I've been kind of talking about. I know we were talking a bit about Star Wars, which we know in the past you're not a fan of, Victoria. Mm -hmm. And uh, the new Lady in the Tramp, I know Trez Ray gave it a glowing review on the TV show. Spoiler if you haven't watched it. Sorry, listeners. (laughs) We're going to be talking this week specifically about Mulan, the 1998, I think it's the 36th animated movie from Disney. Uh, We might be talking about Mulan 2, the sequel I didn't know existed until the arrival of Disney+. Plus. 
And generally, you know, what you'd hoped we would get with the live action, it's kind of in a bit of flux now because we don't know when it's going to be released. Disney at the minute are are saying that they're committed to a theatrical release, but things change. Um, you know, you know, generally, just kind of before we get into Disney Plus, what's your thoughts? I've been asking just before we get into talking all things Disney, Victoria, you know, what's your thoughts on this new premium rental service that we're seeing the rise of the fifteen ninety nine for watching stuff like The Invisible Man, The Hunt? I know Trolls 2 is out. It's going to be out probably by the time this podcast is edited and uploaded. Are you tempted to kind of to, to fork out fifteen ninety nine for something that you can watch from the comfort of your home when cinema right now isn't available? Honestly, no. There, there's a lot of things in the cinema at the moment. I would rather just wait until they were on Netflix or Amazon. But the way things are going, we're going to eventually end up on a streaming platform anyway. Like cinema as a thing, not as like an art form, but cinema as like a, a building that you go to is dying. And I hate to say that. Yeah, but thanks. Thanks, Victoria. Like... Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, Dublin Road Cinema has my heart. Um, but we are being pushed more towards the home streaming. So even the next like, 20, 30 years, it'll probably be the norm just to watch it at home. Yeah. And I know something simpler, just what you would pay in a cinema. I know Jim McMorrow made the point, you know, $50.99 is probably cheap if you're a family, you know, a mama yeah. and papa and two children, and by the time you've got all your stuff. So, I mean, there's probably merits to both. As I've said many a time, I don't think watching something at home is the respite that going to the cinema is where you can literally, mm. you, you turn off your phone, well, you're meant to, you turn <laughs> off your phone, you kind of go into a darkened room, big screen, mm. best sound system. I don't get that from home. I'm still around my phone. I'm still kind of yeah. very easily distracted. But I'm I'm tempted. I just haven't seen the title yet so far that's made me go, ooh, yeah. I really must rent that for fifteen ninety nine because in the grand scheme of things, it's not really that dear. People are complaining about it being so expensive, but it's not it, really. It's no. It's probably about the same of what you've what you would spend on on two cinema tickets to be on, mm. and that's kind of it's the the price as we said in the previous podcast. The price is coming from the studios. It's not coming from yeah, the likes yeah. of Apple or Sky. They're setting this price because they are like we are losing a lot mm-hmm. of money right now because I think Sony now have moved their entire summer blockbuster season from from this year to next year Ghostbusters fans oh, you're wow, going to have really? Yeah, Ghostbusters fans you're going to have to wait to 2021 <gasps> now. Oh, I'm sad now. Have I have Fuck. I just have I just broke your heart. Good thing we're going to be talking yeah. about Disney Victoria. <laughs> but yeah, I think they've just decided that they're just going to move things back. We don't know you know, we know, well, we do know that uh, Black Widow has been put back. We know yeah, yeah. that Wonder Woman 1984 has been put back to August. But at the minute, you know, August seems like an awfully, it, in one way, I, I said this on the TV show, it seems really far, but mm-hmm. it also seems really close. And it almost yeah. feels like it seems too close right now, because we're being told now by the UK government that this might be going on to June. Yeah, that's so very you, frightening. So you just kind of don't know. But anyway, we have promised our listeners and our viewers and anyone on the website that the Bandaflex podcast and TV show, whilst we make changes to how we're doing things, we're going to try our best to offer respite from all the COVID madness that's going on. And what better excuse this week with the arrival of Disney Plus? You know, thankfully, you know, Boris put us all on pretty much lockdown the day before Disney Plus arrived. 
So we've done our little TV. <laughs> we've we've done the Disney special on the TV show, and this mm-hmm. is our chance to talk about Mulan. I know it's a film you are really you're really passionate about. This you really like Mulan, don't you? I do. It's one of my favorites. That's why you have three and a half pages of notes, listeners. <laughs> Just to let you, just make you aware of that, listeners. That was one of the things Victoria said to me before this. Like, I've got three and a half pages of notes. I have one side of an A4 page just with a rough outline. That's how professional I am, listeners. <laughs> but uh, you're really passionate about it. But generally, before we get into talking about Mulan, what are the things you find yourself binging on so far? Other than Mulan, Mulan 2, of course, in the week or so that Disney Plus has been here legally listeners in the UK legally yeah legally <laughs> well so far I've been I've actually been binging a lot on the Simpsons which isn't very Disney but I have missed it because we don't really have like normal TV in my house we just have the streaming services so I have missed the Simpsons mm. but I made a plan where I was going to go back right to the start right back Ooh. to the 1930s and watch in order okay so and how, how far are you how far are you into that or is that just a plan you're um, going to do at no, some point I think I've just finished Bambi speaking of Bambi you, you've seen Bambi right mm-hmm. I was watching it in my bedroom and it was just before the horrible bit where Bambi's mother is killed and my Spo- boyfriend walked past the room spoilers spoilers if you haven't seen a film that's over nearly 80 years old yeah spoiler um, my boyfriend walked past the room and I said to him can you come sit in here this bit's really sad <laughs> And he came in and sat with me and watched it, blah, blah, blah. And I was sitting with a wee tear, like, oh, God, I'm so, I'm so sad now, I'm so sad. And he turned around to me and goes, that's not as sad as I thought it would be. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, I've never seen it before. Oh, it sounds like his cards have been marked, he's, Victoria. He's 25 years old and he's never seen the death of Bambi's mother. I, I, I was in shock. Do you know what, though? I mean, and this is kind of going down a segue. It's what we do, listeners. Uh, you know, the weird thing about the death of Bambi's mother because it's off screen and you know kind of just not to defend your boyfriend I feel like I need kind of have to somebody has to in this conversation mm-hmm. but <laughs> I I remember watching not when it originally came out I know I'm old Victoria but I'm not that old <laughs> but I remember watching it because our school used to every so often somebody would have brought in a projector and would have shown old Disney because that's how I saw the likes of Snow White and that's how I saw mm-hmm. Bambi and I remember that having a really like, kind of strong effect in me because it was really kind of like, oh, my God, this is shocking. But when you watch it as a supposed adult, mm-hmm. because it, you know, there is an ascent that, that isn't as shocking as you you maybe remember it. Maybe that's yeah. just me. It's it's nothing compared to, like, say, the death of Mufasa in The Lion King. No, not at all. It's still, a, do you know what I think it is? It's when you're a kid, you're so immersed in the film. But when mm. you're an adult, you're kind of sitting back and you're appreciating how it's drawn. You're appreciating the music. You're appreciating how it's put together. Especially mm. like the likes of you and me who would look at film objectively. Mm. But I, just, I was very surprised that he hadn't seen it before. I, I don't know if you should maybe show Maybe he hasn't seen The Lion King. Maybe show him The Tiger King. You know, if you want to go for a real... <laughs> A real weird experience. I don't know if you've been watching that as well. No, I've, no. I've seen many a meme, but... <laughs> yeah, let, let's just say it's a bit odd. And it's very on-Disney related, uh, if we're going for that. <laughs> but no, it, it's weird how those moments, like the death of Bambi's mother, can stay with you. I mean, my mother talks about it. My mother talks about it, you know, and how shocking it was. 
and how it kind of really upset her when she was younger watching it. And uh, I remember, I mean, I was the same when I watched it, but it, I then compare that to say, as I come back to Mufasa in The Lion King, and I mean, it still shocks me on, unless it's in the the remake from last year. And it's like, no, they're just CGI cats. <laughs> Screw it. Do whatever you want to him. Have the wolves tear the tear him apart. I don't care. He's just a CGI cat. He's nothing. But anyway, getting off the getting off the point. You know, I've been watching a lot of Simpsons. I've been trying to uh, kind of because yeah, I've just been kind of trying to say right, okay, the new ones aren't that bad. And you're like, no, oh, no, they actually are. They're not. <laughs> They're not terrible, but they're just very meh. And then you kind of find yourself yeah. going back. Like, where have you found your peak with Simpsons? I'm currently kind of going back to, like, you only move twice, the James Bond party. I think that's season eight, <laughs> season nine. And it's just like, all that season is pretty much genius. I put it on one night and just find myself just, just I was. I usually put something on at night to try and put me to sleep. Something like Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nine-Nine or, you know, maybe like Friends or something. Yeah. Uh, my lovely wife will be like, I'll put that on. But we both put on The Simpsons, and I go, oh, it'll put me to sleep. I've seen it, you know, a gazillion times. And we both ended up finding find ourselves just actually watching, paying attention, and laughing mm-hmm. when you're meant to laugh. So where are you Where are you with The Simpsons right now? We're currently, we've just started season 19, and I checked the dates, because there was a, a Treehouse of Horror episode that parodied Batman Begins, and I was like, this can't be that old, can it? But it was 2006. Yeah. Which makes me feel old. So yeah, season nineteen is what we're on so far. Yeah. So we're doing there, well. There we go. Just just bail by the time it gets to like season twenty seven, twenty eight. Because <laughs> there's there's ones I remember kind of going. I can remember watching and going. Those are fairly recent, and like those are like oh, they're like nearly ten years ago. Jesus, mm-hmm. I am old. The only other thing I've been watching non Disney related has been the X Files. I've got back into watching X Files and Prime, and just falling in love again with Ethan Scully and just going yeah, it's. Because I was watching, I was watching the first few in, the, in season one. Because we, we're not binging, mm-hmm. we're not a lot. Well, we've kind of started to do. When we set out this, we were going to do one episode a night. So it's like, well, if this kind of goes on for a while, there's a yeah. lot of X Files. There's a lot of X Files. We'll get through it, but it's kind of become like maybe now it's like two or three episodes, and it's starting to kind of. It's weird how you kind of nostalgia plays a role because you can find yourself going, I remember when I was younger, watch this and just find it really getting it like the episode Ice where they go off to, I think it's Antarctica and it's the the worm that's making everybody really angry. And you find, <laughs> yourself, and you find yourself going, don't, lo- don't mock the X-Files, Victoria. Um, I'm not. I would never. That's okay. And uh, you just find yourself going, I remember loving this. And you suddenly find yourself going, will we watch another? Will we watch another? And then last night we watched the episode, I think it's called Gender Bender. Which is a little bit kind of like past PC now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit dated now. <laughs> it's it's a bit dated, but um, it's all good. And I think we're going to probably get to season two over the weekend. And then I'll just find myself completely hooked. And then I'll just be <laughs> like, by me season four or five, just going, I love Agent Scully all over again. But anyway, let's not go down that teenage crush reminiscent for me. <laughs> let's talk about Mulan. Before we let Victoria completely loose to talk about this film, let's play a clip. Citizens, I bring a proclamation from the Imperial City. The Huns have invaded China. One man from every family must serve in the Imperial Army. The Xiao family. The Yi family. I will serve the Emperor in my father's place. The Fa family. No. 
I'm ready to serve the Emperor. Father, you can't go. Mulan. Please, sir. My father has already fought for Silence! You would do well to teach your daughter to hold her tongue in a man's presence. Mulan, you dishonor me. So that's clip of Mulan, Victoria. Just for anyone listening who's never heard, never seen, doesn't know anything about Mulan, gives a bit of setup. Alright, if you've never seen this film, it's based in China. Or I think it was around 360 AD. I'm not 100% sure about the timelines. But China has been invaded by the Huns, led by Shan Yu. And because of that, every man from each family is being conscripted into the army to defend the country. Mulan is our main character. She is very unconventional, untraditional. She doesn't conform to the traditional femininity that's expected of her. Her father is conscripted, but she realises that her father will not survive this war, so she goes in his place. And the film is basically about her finding herself, finding her identity, and proving that you don't have to be a man to, to be a hero. Yeah, I I have a recollection of maybe talking to you about Mulan on a previous podcast. And I have to admit, it kind of passed me by when I was younger. And I think I, I think at the time I said to you half-jokingly, oh, because it was about a girl, I didn't watch mm-hmm. it because it was too girlish and it was too, you know, it was a girl story. I, I'm just, I was kind of thinking, going, watching it again for this, and I don't want to get into discussing it too much yet, I was kind of going, no, I can't see why... I would have been put off from this beyond maybe the poster or something like that. Yeah. And then I was thinking, like, I do have a a very strong memory of when I was younger. We used to have a caravan in Clocky County Down. And, you know, in between kind of playing football, you know, from sunrise to sunset in the middle of the field, uh, we would watch movies. And every so often, a new person came, a newbie came, an outsider, and... You know, event like you'd have kind of chatted to him, but uh, I have this real memory, and I'm gonna say, I have to feel, I have to say this anyway. I'm sorry, Steph. If that was your name, I have a, this recollection of this person being <laughs> called Steph, right? And we would have done a thing every Friday where we would all watch the film, and because you were kind of like 98, you were kind of teenage boys. It was usually like Goodfellas or something like Predator or something along that lines. And this girl came, she was a new, She, I don't think her parents owned a caravan. I think she was staying with an auntie over the summer. And she said, oh yeah, come on back to mine. We can all watch, you know, some Disney movie. And you're like, oh, okay. And there was about 13, 14 of us. And I have this vivid memory of watching Mulan, but not really being interested at all because... She put me off it. I think I'm going to blame Steph if that was her name, <laughs> Victoria, <Steph>. because <laughs> she kind of did the thing. And I know I've been guilty of this before. See, when you really love something and you like you watch it and you're watching it with people and you're like, don't you love this? Don't you love this? Yeah. And acting out every line, singing along with every song. And you're just like, oh, no. So I, I really because I really have been thinking about because I rewatched it for this, obviously. And I was like, well, why would I have been put off by this? Beyond the poster being, you know, obviously the central character, Mulan, and being front and centre. You're like, I can't think why. But I also was thinking about this, you know, I think there was the likes of Hunchback of Notre Dame. And mm. there was a few, I mean, I thought I really was big into Disney. I really 
did, but I was kind of looking at it like my peak for Disney was kind of early 90s, late 80s, like Little Mermaid. Yeah. And then we see like Aladdin. The Renaissance there. Yeah, we see like the Lion King and stuff. And I think maybe I just my interest as I got slightly older, possibly, you know, maybe got more interested in girls and maybe more interested in other things, football, probably. I maybe just lost that that Disney love. So I think mm. that's why I maybe missed Mulan. Because watching it again, as, as I said, I, I did really like this. I suppose no way round of, of, of beating around the bush. And I think if it was released now, you know, I know we would have had the, the live action remake this year, which mm-hmm. probably feels like right on the kind of money right now. Feels like perfect timing for that. But watch it. I mean, it's, it's, it feels fresher than even say Aladdin, like I know when they did the live action remake of Aladdin, they went back and did a couple of things with the character of Jasmine to try and fix the problems with her character from the animation. But uh, oh, okay. I oh, is this a case? Have you not seen the live action Aladdin? Not, not yet. But how can we have you on as the resident? It. How can we have you on as a resident I, Disney expert? I am taking a moral stand against the live action remakes. I'm I've very mixed opinions about them. Okay, so you'll not be watching Lady and the Tramp on Disney Plus then. No, I will be watching it because my mum actually endorsed both Aladdin and Lady and the Trump. And if she, she's the kind of person who, if she likes it, you know it's good. Okay. So should, it, they are should, on my list. We should get her on to review stuff then. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like the live action Aladdin. Again, it never really justified its, its existence for me. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way like the Lion King. I've told this joke before in the podcast and the TV show. So, sorry, listeners, I do repeat myself. <laughs> and uh, I remember going to see the live action, if that's what you want to call it, version of The Lion King. And it open, it's it's shot for shot. It literally is shot for shot. I think it's longer, which is weird because it feels shot for shot at times. Mm-hmm. And the opening is pretty much identical. That opening song, the opening kind of song and the arrival of uh, the new prince. And... Uh, there was this little kid in the cinema and she turned around to her father or mother, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's a little boy or a little girl. I'm not 100% sure because I'm not kind of going around in kind of the cinema place and straight down to <laughs> looking at I just heard this little voice and she just turned to her father or mother, as I say, and went, didn't we watch this last week at home? And you oh. were just like, you were like, yeah, you probably did. You're yeah. right on the money. But anyway, that's the thing. I am I have mixed feelings about the live action stuff like you. I think Aladdin just about did itself enough justice to exist and I don't think the Will Smith thing really worked it worked mm-hmm. times but I think it's probably the best thing to let Will Smith go off and do his own thing rather than yeah. have someone trying to replicate uh, his his shtick from mm-hmm. which is something I want to come back to with Mulan 2 which again that's that's for later on but anyway, we went off on a tangent. I I really like this. So you're really enthusiastic about Mulan. What is mm-hmm. what is it about the film that you love that made you want to sit down and write three and a half pages of notes? <laughs> Do you know what? I'll go I'll go right back. My childhood best friend Nicola, she and I and my other sister Emily would have watched Disney a lot. And I vividly remember the first time I saw Mulan because her older sister, Laura, was obsessed with China. Her entire bedroom had a Chinese like motif going on. It was gorgeous, but Mulan was her favorite movie and she sat us all down to watch it one day. And I just fell in love with it. The music was incredible. It's Especially when you watch the older Disney ones where 
the princesses are a bit more passive, mm. whereas Mulan is very independent. She takes charge. She does something that's very frightening. Like I can't imagine being in her shoes and being brave enough to take my my own dad's place. So I, from even when I was a kid, I really admired her for that. So I, I think that's what it is. It was being able to see a, a genuinely strong female character on the screen. Now, can I ask you, this is a bit, listeners, where I always get really depressed, right? So I was 16. I was doing a quick bit of maths there while you were talking. <laughs> I was 16 when this came out. So how old were you when Mulan hit the big screen? This is 98, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> do, you wanna, do you want to take a guess? No, I don't want to, because it'll either only depress me or you'll turn around and say you weren't born. So therefore, I'll just be no, like, no. no. I, I was born in December 1995. There you go. So you were three. So you weren't. Yeah. So what you're saying is, so there was no chance of you seeing on this, seeing this in the big screen. Okay. No. <laughs> so uh, it's just a case. I mean, you're kind of talking there about watching it and kind of really getting drawn in. You kind of answered my next question already. So what was it about that film that that maybe made you kind of go stand up and go, oh, this is different? Like, even at a younger age. Like, I mean, how, I'm going to assume. How old were you then, roughly? Do you think when you watched this? Um... Probably about four or five. Okay. Because I, yeah, I'd known Nicola and Laura from when I was new age, so we were always at each other's houses. So I would say it was probably about four or five. Okay. So what was it about, even as a four, five, five-year-old girl? What was it about that that made you kind of stand up and go, "Oh, this is different." Not hopefully you didn't do like when you were sitting around at her house watching it and stand up and go, "This is different." <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like I said, it was just great to see a really strong girl on the screen. Like I actually went back and checked who the writers were for this. And one of the writers was a guy called, I think I'm pronouncing this right, Philip Lezebnik. Okay. He actually wrote Pocahontas, The Prince of Egypt, and The Road to El Dorado, which are three other of my favourite films. Okay. So he's got he's got a good streak going on with me here. But yeah, it, it's the same reason I like Pocahontas. It's an independent girl who's going out finding herself, and that just really spoke to me, little five-year-old me, for some for some strange reason. Oh, there you go. You just you <laughs> you were just destined to to be on Band of Flicks at one point to talk about it. Oh yeah. You mentioned there the writers. Now, one of the things that caught my eye. Now, again, I don't have three and a half pages of notes. Not that I keep bringing that <laughs> back up, listeners. But I I think the original concept for this, you'll probably have this written down, was that at one point that Mulan was going to be, because it, I mean, it does come from a, a fabled story, but at one point the Disneyfied version was going to see Mulan, kind of, she was going to elope and move to Europe because she fell in love with the British prince. And the writers didn't like, I'm not sure, because I know there's a couple of writers involved, I'm not sure which one mm -hmm. per se was this. It's a typical Jim McLean half fact. And uh, she, they had said that they didn't want that to be, a traditional love story. They didn't want it to be the traditional mm -hmm. Disney story. They wanted Mulan to be different and it wanted to be someone who was kind of in control yeah. of her own destiny. So clearly, going back to your four or five-year-old self, that clearly was something that was, even then, was clearly relevant for you or, or working for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what it was about little five-year-old me that I identified with her so much, but it, it stuck with me my whole life. Yeah. Like, I was actually going through like my top Disney films and she, Mulan comes in number six and I was surprised she was that high up, but she stuck with me for that long through this many years consistently. So that says a lot for the film, I think. Yeah. I 
as I rewatch it, and it was pretty much like I say, rewatch it. I know I have seen this before at some point in my life. I know definitely. Sorry, Steph. I maybe didn't pay much <laughs> attention to it at back of the caravan all those years, but uh, rewatch it. I think it's it's really short. I I do think you know we can spoiler here. You know you're spoiling Bambi. Oh, yeah. This is a film that's <laughs> nearly twenty year old or over twenty year old. Uh, you know there is a, a near a kind of half-hearted attempt to kind of placate people who want a love story mm-hmm. and i've it's not that i have a problem with it. i just think it feels a little out of place in the mm-hmm. i don't know maybe maybe you feel differently because i know the sequel definitely plays up much more on the the, the romance angle but the fact yes. that we have this relationship with well, not really. I don't want to say relationship because there's there's definitely an attraction. You will know straight away the name. It's it's her sergeant. It's the Shang. Shang. That's the one I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> there's an attract. There's an attraction between Mulan from Mulan's point of view for Chang. And I have to be honest. Even my my lovely wife, who's in her late thirties, she loved me saying that. Was <laughs> um, we were rewatching it last night and. He's a bit hunky. Even I was oh, like, yeah. oh, he's like, he's a bit of a beefcake. Because, I mean, I never, <laughs> I, I don't think I really ever had, people kind of talk about kind of their kind of young kind of animated crushes. Maybe mine would have been April O'Neil from The Simpsons. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I was talking to this a while ago to some of our female contributors. It might actually be you, Victoria. And I think the one that comes back is like they had a bit of a crush when they were younger on Hercules from Dis- mm-hmm. Disney's Hercules. But you're like going, yeah, he's a bit of a, a beefcake he's all right <laughs> and when it then transpires that the revelation that you know that ping who's mulan's male alter ego is in fact a woman and then as it as with mulan and their group of comrades saves a day saves an emperor from the hun it's almost like oh yeah you, we've kind of forgotten about the whole love angle you should go and get it on with her you should go and get her <laughs> Not to that extent, but I just think I, I, watching it, I was like kind of going, you could have really easily done away with that completely. You really didn't need a love story at all. But maybe you disagree. No, I, I do agree with you. Like, in terms of Disney, like gold tier, silver tier, bronze tier, this would be silver because there are some bits of the story that, like you said, could have been omitted and it wouldn't have made the film any worse. But yeah. including the love story doesn't make it any better. Yeah, and, and yeah, I just, I just like, I think if I was kind of wondering if you were making this now, would would that even be? Because I know, well, we know we're getting the live action, and we can't review it because we haven't seen it. You don't know if the love angle is going to be as prominent or if it's going to be there at all. I know in the original story that this is based on, you know, Mulan's actual, you know deceit or the her the fact that she's a woman is found out much sooner in the story than it is in mm-hmm. disney's version and i don't know i mean it's just a typical kind of half place thought on my behalf you know the one thing i will say though i think looking back in the grand scheme of things up until a point i up until a point and that is the scene on the mountains with the hun coming down the mountain mm-hmm. the animation is very it's very old-fashioned Disney. There's not, like, you think of, like, Beauty and the Beast. You think of Aladdin, mm-hmm. where we had started to see computer effects creep in. It's very yeah. much kind of old-school Disney. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem to have the budget that those, that some of its predecessors, I think even Hunchback and Notre Dame, might have had some 
CGI effects into it as well because I know like the, the famous one of course is Beauty and the Beast the the bit where they're dancing mm-hmm. with um, Jessica Fletcher just singing off camera to them and uh, the ball because that 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 ball that crystal ball is is that CGI is a beautiful shot yeah it's CGI and then Aladdin we think of I think it's when they're in the the cave with in the cave of wonders yeah because it looks like a bad PS one game but I'm sure it yeah. looked really good back then. Nothing wrong with those bad PS1 games, <laughs> but it's not up until oh, I don't know. Maybe just because when we were watching, and and I know we're going to come on to Mulan two at some point. You know, okay, I didn't realize because Mulan's nineteen ninety eight. Mulan two straight to DVD. Disney were famous or notorious for these <laughs> straight to DVD sequels. Two thousand and four. The animation looks a lot better. Mm-hmm. In the two thousand, for me anyway, it's I I don't know I I don't know where if that's something that bothers you too much when you're looking back at them about the the nature of the animation. No, not particularly. Um, you're just you're you're just lost in the, you're just lost in the story, love. <laughs> but oh. but no, that's it's just for me. I mean, it kind of going when you think at it, look at it because it just was like oh, it doesn't feel like it has the budget. And I know I think Hunchback and Notre Dame had lost Disney. They hadn't, or they hadn't lost money on it. But I don't think they'd made the money they had hoped yeah, to. They didn't get the returns that they were hoping for. It was the same with Hercules. Yeah. But uh, I did find out there's another podcast I listened to called Disorder, and okay. it's a bunch of guys who actually worked at Disneyland and were Disney journalists, and they talk about these like really in depth, like three and a half hour long episodes. But how much? Were... How much would your dream job? be to be oh, a, a disney a disney journalist <laughs> oh i would be the happiest person ever mm-hmm. um but they were they were talking about the art style and how it does look a bit flat compared to the likes of beauty and the beast and notre dame but apparently i don't know if it's true or not as one of the journalists was saying it's supposedly to be they were trying to reflect the style of chinese paintings yeah i was i was thinking about that when i watched it i was thinking mm-hmm. about that because apparently, um, one of them pointed out, you don't actually see that many shadows of the characters. And apparently that was like a homage to the, the Chinese like vase art that they used to do. Okay. But again, I would need to watch it again just to keep an eye out for that one specific yeah. thing. But it, it, it does feel a wee bit, it's not as grand as the ones that came before it. Yeah, it's not up, really it's not up until the that, that sequence on the mountains when you just mm-hmm. go, right, that's amazing animation. I mean, it's kind of... You know, on a similar vein to what you see in the two towers in Lord of the Rings, and maybe I'm speaking about films yeah. Victoria hasn't seen because no, I know I, Victor- I love Lord of the Rings. Don't oh, that's I, okay. Yeah. That's okay. Okay, that's that's okay. We can we can get through that. You know, we haven't. You don't like Star Wars, but you like Lord of the Rings. That's okay. We've got one common ground. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that sequence. You know, mm-hmm. well, I think it's it's Gandalf coming down the mountain in in the two towers at the siege of Helm's Deep, and it's kind of like. Yes. It's it just reminds me a lot of that, and you can maybe see possibly I don't know the Peter Jackson's kind of CGI crew maybe looking to something like Mulan for inspiration. I don't know. It's literally me gesticulating to the air here and in, in my little room here, kind of wondering. But uh, that's the sequence I think for me is is the is the one I think that is a real standout moment from Mulan, and stands the test of time even by today's animation standards. Yeah, it gives me goosebumps still. It's incredible. Yeah, and I suppose this brings us on to Eddie Murphy's character, Mushu. (laughs) I I have to be honest, 
it's grand, and Eddie Murphy's great when he's doing kids-friendly animation. One of the things we watched in Disney Plus because it's been added is the original Doctor Doolittle, and well, not the original Doctor Doolittle, yeah. but his version of Doctor Doolittle, and it's great. You know, I actually love it still. There's a childish part of me deep down somewhere that loves it, but um, I don't know if this works in the same way that maybe they hoped it would work or it would replicate what Robin Williams did. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It it just feels when you watch it, it's like, right, It's it just feels like little riffs and little bits and bobs. It just feels like, are you trying to replicate what you did with Robin Williams in Aladdin and hoping for gold? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's terrible. Mm-hmm. But I don't know because I know... Maybe maybe this is not true, but I don't think Mushu's going to be making an appearance in the live action version. They're going to try and keep it very no, authentic. <laughs> They're trying to keep it very authentic to the original story that the this animation is based on. But I don't know. Again, going back to your four or five year old self, go back to your inner child, Victoria. Was was Mushu something that really worked for you? As a kid, yeah. Like now that I'm older, I can kind of see where. Some of the jokes are a bit flat, and they've just stuck things in to hope that they're funny. <laughs> mm. Do you know what I was when I was watching it tonight? There was a lot of jokes, and I mean, this is stuff that happens all the time with anybody who, like me, grew up in the eighties and then goes back and rewatches eighties family mm-hmm. films. A lot of jokes went over my head because there's a couple of jokes early on mm-hmm. about cross dressers and being a transvestite. I mean, there's yeah. there, there is a reference, and I think there I think there is a direct reference to. Um, Maybe not cross-dressing, but definitely being a transvestite. And I think no, she like, specifically w- says cross-dresser. It's when oh, the don't... ancestors are yes. arguing, yeah. and she goes, uh, "Your great granddaughter happened to be a cross-dresser." That's the one. Yeah. But like five-year-old me, that went over my head. I didn't understand why that was funny, or why yeah. they were all so angry. <laughs> you didn't feel the need to ask an adult around going, "What's a cross-dresser?" No. <laughs> I do. I do vividly remember me asking my mum what a virgin was because in Hocus Pocus only a virgin can light the black flame candle, and I wanted to know what a virgin was. I bet your mum loved that question. <laughs> oh, she didn't mind. My mum's quite funny with that kind of stuff. Your mum was probably like <laughs> she thought it was mo- hilarious. Your mum was probably like that's something you'll always be, love. Something you, <laughs> even into your late eighties, love, you'll be able to light that candle. Uh, just on that note, it reminds me of an event we did last year. You know, God, God, looking back at the days of of actually being able to run film events, and uh, we did a screening of Spaceballs in May the fourth last year. And I mean, I love Spaceballs. It's stupid. It's silly. There's parts of it have dated, but there's a line in it where Rick Moranis's character Dark Helmet turns to his colleague, and there's a really you know stereotypically eighties hot sexy nurse. It's not me writing this stuff. And he turns to his colleague and says, I bet she gives great helmet. And we were all there and there was a couple of chuckles. But one guy had brought his two, like like nine and I think ten. And I had checked. It's like, yeah, it's fine. And his young boy like laughed and really did the kind of thing of like, I'm laughing because everybody else is laughing. And then turned to his dad. What does that even mean? And... And there was just this voice from the very back of the room just kind of going, you're too young, love. You're too young. <laughs> so there. Dad. Yeah. Um, oh. So bringing it back to, I don't know if, it, it just feels, watching it now with 
2020 eyes as a supposed adult nearly 40 it feels like you've just you you hit you know a pot of gold with you know wisecracking comedian i mean eddie murphy as a stand-up comedian in the 80s just look at raw you know he is he is funny and he is you know you get a sense like he's just like robin williams can just kind of go off on a kind of tangent and just get comedy comedic gold from it and it just feels like you're just trying to replicate what you did with Robin Williams. Because I don't mm. think that there was nothing like that in Notre Dame. No. And you, you'll know the order of the Disney movies <laughs> in, in probably better than me. I mean, there's Lion King. I know there's Notre Dame. Has Pocahontas been and gone or is Pocahontas after? Pocahontas was 95. So that was after Lion King, but before Hunchback. Okay. And then we have Mulan. Um, Hercules after Hunchback and then Mulan. Oh, okay. Because I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I've seen Hercules. I don't know why. I mean, you now that I have Disney Plus, I have no excuse. Yeah, I haven't know... seen Hercules. No, I, anytime, <gasps> anytime we talk about Disney stuff, and you said Victoria, I haven't seen this. Well, you know, well, hang on. Let's Victoria. Let's just go that the other way. Have you seen the Black Hole? No. <laughs> no. There we go. So for everyone, That's you haven't fair. seen. Yeah, you have to watch Black Hole. It's available on Disney Plus too. It's amazing. Um, and it's just going back to my... It's one of the very first ever VHSs my mum ever bought me was the, the Black Hole. And I'm kind of scared to rewatch it at the minute. It's because it was saying, I'm going, I love this. Can't believe it's on. I want to watch. And then I want to go back and watch stuff like Blackbeard's Ghost and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, going, what if I watch it? And it's not the same. It's not the same. Or isn't, it, isn't there that darn cat? Isn't that one? That that dark, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I'm like going, I, I'm kind of nervous about watching. And then I want to go back and look at all the old classic like Disney movies, where Kurt Russell is the goody goody two shoes. It's not until John <laughs> until John Carpenter got his hands to him and turned him into kind of like Snake Plissken type character. But um, I don't know. I just coming back. I I don't know if it works in the same way that Robin Williams' genie is such a kind of defining part and such a like such an iconic part in aladdin like i mean disney themselves have said that he kind of ron williams performance in, in aladdin was a game changer for animation because they just let him loose and the amount of stuff that they said that they couldn't put in oh, that he just went off and he just went off and riffed and he had a basic plot loan this is kind of like this is what we've got to do with the plot and this is what we've got to do with the story we've got to move it on to here and uh, he just I, God rest, Rob Williams. I adore that man. He just is mm-hmm. the personification of funny for me, and uh, you just anytime I watch Aladdin, he, I come back to like the the animation, is a bit flaw. It's a bit clunky at times, but yeah. his performance is just the thing that just lifts up that every view, and you go right. Yeah, I'm, I'm I just love this still, and I don't think again this is based on one viewing. Again, sorry, Steph, from that time I didn't watch it in the caravan. <laughs> but watch again, it, it just doesn't work for me in the same way. Like, he's not kind of stealing the show. Maybe maybe they don't want it. Maybe it's coming back to the, the fact that the writers for this really wanted it to be the story that stood yeah. out. And the story clearly worked for you, going back to your four or five-year-old self. But I don't think Mushu and, and Eddie Murphy's performance, it's not like the donkey in Shrek that almost <laughs> steals the show, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah. Um, anything else kind of from your three and a half page notes you kind of want to talk about before we kind of move on to the, the, the straight to DVD sequel? Um, 
I just I wanted to mention a bit about the music because the composer they had for the film, I didn't realize what a flipping like CV he had behind him. Okay. Because initially they had approached uh, Stephen Lawrence Swartz, who did the music for Wicked, mm-hmm. which I think would have made it a bit like the one cheesy. Mulan's not. Um, it, it's a film with music, but it's not a musical. Yeah. And then they had initially approached Thomas Newman, who would do a lot of stuff for Pixar now, which could have been good. And then they also asked Danny Elfman, and as much as I love him, I'm glad they didn't go for him because he wouldn't have brought the right tone, I don't think. Well, you don't know. Danny Elfman, he's a weird composer, Victoria, because yeah, when you look at... Because he does some amazing stuff. I mean, there's stuff he's he's done that is iconic, but then you see amazing score he does for... The Girl on the Train, which is just so on Danny Elfman-esque, and it's amazing, and it's great, Mm -hmm. and you just don't know what he would bring. Because one thing, actually, I have scribbled down here on my page of notes, not that we're comparing, was (laughs) one of the things I love in this, and I don't know whether it's a deliberate nod or whether it's just unintentional. I would say with Disney, it's deliberate. The the transformation scene for Mulan, Mm -hmm. where we see her kind of, she makes this decision to... You know, take her father's place, take his armor, and go off to war, which is great. And I was really expecting this kind of cheesy, kind of Disney song. You know, mm-hmm. the only one I really remember from Mulan at all is "I'll Make a Man Out of You," and I had oh, yeah. somehow, in my twisted memory, thought that it was a song that Mushu sung. Oh, um, <laughs> no! Do you know what I mean? But I mean, I, it's only when I went back and rewatched mm. it, I go, "Oh no, okay, yeah, okay," and it makes perfect sense, and it's great, and you've got a beefcake kind of singing it, so, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but the the actual scene where she goes off, it's this kind of eighty synth kind mm. of transformation kind of score, and it's the type of stuff you would see. Like literally, the thing I when when I was watching it, I scribbled down because if I'm watching something for the pod or the TV show, I bring a pen and paper to make notes. Mm-hmm. And the thing I've scribbled down in front of me here, it's like something from Commando, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger cheese. Fest. It's like it's like an '80s classic montage, getting ready for war. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that it's done as a deliberate nod to those. I but I just think it works really, really well. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. It's it's one of my favorite musical pieces in any Disney film. Like it's. Even more than Taylor's oldest bit... time. Yeah. Even mo- even more than. See if, I, see if I need to get pumped up and I'm feeling very like very feminist that day. I will stick that music on. I, I just find it so empowering. Why don't you just listen to the music from Home Alone when Kevin gets ready for the house? You know that always works for me. If I, I'm I, I I am serious here, listeners. I'm speaking. You know, Victoria's here. She's here via the digital ways via Skype. <laughs> But listeners, I'm talking just you, me, whoever you are, wherever you are in the world. If you need to, right now, at home, if you're stuck, if you're self-isolating, if you're under quarantine, if you're finding it tough, genuinely, you know, if you want to get yourself pumped, just go on, you know, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere, you know, YouTube, if you want to rip it, you know, do what rip it. If you want to do something Victoria would be doing, just rip it, download it legally. You know, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> going to cast judgment. But just listeners, just get the music from Home Alone. When Kevin gets the house ready to, to to fend off the wet bandits, trust me, you'll be in a better place. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you want to get it, it works, it works, it works for me. Or going back to Danny Elfman, the the original Batman score he did for the '80s yes. film, so good. But then you kind of feel the need you're a bit of a loon. You kind of find yourself racing out the house, going, "I'm Batman," but you're not really. 
But anyway, no, back to the score. So no, it's just that that moment really worked for me because it's, I think of this was done late 80s, kind of like around the time of The Little Mermaid. You know, I, I think you would have got a cheesy Oh, yeah, definitely. Number. Yeah, I'm glad they decided not to do that. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, we mentioned there, you, we haven't really talked about the songs because I know the songs, the, the new version... They, I I would imagine they'll probably end up doing something like the way that Kenneth Branagh did with Cinderella, where he took yeah. a lot of the songs out, and he kept. I think I think he just really kept one song in, but then it's not yeah. really even a song. It's just really the the transformation scene, and it's. Mm. Um, actually, you, know what, I'm, you notice in the in the trailer for the live action one, the music they have in the background is an instrumental version of Reflection. The okay. song that Mulan sings when she comes back from the matchmaker, mm-hmm. but it's got such, it's got an epic scale to it. It's, it seems a lot more serious or something. But I really like that touch, and I kind of hope that's the only thing they keep from it because I don't yeah. think any of the other songs would would work. Well, what it's you would probably what you might get is kind of going back to what I was saying there about Cinderella. Is I don't think any of the songs are in the film that I can think of, other than Helena Bonna carter singing bibbidi bobbidi boo over the closing credits so you might get something like that yeah i don't know but hopefully it's not like kind of like frozen 2 and it's like done by panic at the disco or something like that hopefully not like that but the less said about that the better but the songs you know they're, they're clearly a big positive for you like make a man out of you is i have to admit it's great and it, it, i was watching it i was watching it and you know i was kind of smiling i have to admit it just put a smile on my face because it was in around that was like I was, it was never that case of like oh I'm really kind of into this. It's like I'm watching it because I have to watch it, mm-hmm. and then I suddenly find myself going oh okay I've got a big cheesy grin on my face and maybe it's just because maybe just because he's a beefcake I don't know maybe I'm obsessed now Victoria maybe <laughs> I'm going to get a big poster off him on my wall. Um, move over Mulan you've got you've got a competition now girl, but um, no the songs are great and it, it's again it's it's not an overwhelming musical. I mean, as you say, the, 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 at times, I think there's only maybe six. I can't think. You'll know of all. I guarantee you'll know. I mean, the number, there's not that many songs in it compared to other Disney films. The three, I can really think, there's Reflection, I'll Make a Man Out of You, A Girl Worth Fighting For, but I think that's it. Yeah. The actual, like, the ones that characters sing anyway. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm missing something, but I think that's it. No, for, well, for, I, for a Disney film, that's very few songs. Like, because it feels like there's much more in in the straight to DVD sequel. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's more songs, and I suppose then at that point we can move on to that. So I never knew this existed. Genuinely, didn't know this existed. I have a bit of a kind of hate hate relationship with Disney <gasps> straight to DVD sequels after being burnt as a youngster by Aladdin Two: The Return of Jafar, which was terrible, and the animation yeah, was terrible. But I have even... you seen the third one? No, because it's the one where Robin Williams comes back, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the third one is very good. Like, it, it makes you forget the return of Jafar even exists. Okay. Because the one thing, because Mulan 2 is weird, right? Mm-hmm. So I actually thought, because I was kind of thinking, because I was looking at the animation, go, the animation here is quite good. Was this cinematically released? You know, it's not as, I come back to like the Aladdin 2, the animation is terrible. Terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's awful. And I, and I don't actually know if it's actually on Disney Plus. I'm tempted to give it a review, and if it is, just to remind myself how bad it was. But I was going, oh, the animation's quite good. But then it, 
I, I'm going to be honest, right, Victoria? This is the thing I was going to... I said to you before the recording, I have a confession to make. I watched this... I sat out to watch this this afternoon. We went on a long walk up Black's Mountain, which was lovely. We took our... Amber's boss has... has he, we're doggy-sitting his dog for us, little Cooper. And we went for a walk and came back and we had something to eat. And I put on, let's watch Mulan 2. I got about 30, 40 minutes into it and I think I fell asleep. And I, I kind of woke up and there was a, an unfortunate event. And I was like, oh, that's pretty tough for a Disney film. And I was like, going oh, this harkened back to the days of Bambi and the days mm-hmm. of Lion King. And then you know, within about 10 or 15 minutes later, I said, oh, that's okay. That's, that didn't happen. You're like, oh, okay. All right. And so I, I, I feel like I need to give it a proper view. And so have I missed out on something on this straight to DVD sequel, Victoria? Honestly, I don't think you've missed out. It's Mulan Two was one of those ones that was shown on Disney Channel a lot, like when they just had like a gap to fill, they would have mm. just stuck Mulan Two in there. But in terms of like the plots, okay. If if you haven't seen it, basically Mulan becomes a chaperone for the Emperor's three daughters who have been betrothed to marry three people they've never met, which actually I think is a reference to the original one one of the original plans for Mulan mm. because initially she was going to be a tomboy who was engaged to Shang, but then okay. she runs away. So I yeah. think that's I think that's what that's harking back to. But like in terms of plot, it's not that interesting. It's one of those ones they probably didn't need to make because it doesn't really add anything new. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the big thing about it is that it's challenging arranged marriages is mm. really its big thing. But it yeah. just feels in so many ways the fact that the romance angle is much more front and center this time mm-hmm. round it feels like it undoes all the good work not that you know yeah. it's on a par with the, its predecessor you know i don't know if as many people watch this as they did you know mulan but it just feels like the fact that the romance angle is so important and the main driver from what i can gather from the brief half hour 40 minutes i watched was that um Mushu kind of wants to break this relationship up because if if Mulan does marry, then he will no longer be the is it guardian guardian dragon yeah. for the that she will uh, her ancestors will it's her husband's ancestors will take yeah. over protection of her. Again, there's there's things in there, but mm-hmm. coming back to the thing you were talking about, well, I was talking about, we were both talking about really about you know straight to DVD sequels and when like the likes of Rob Williams doesn't come back. I for the because it, it kind of opens straight on a Mulan or it, Mulan two opens straight on a Mushu number mm-hmm. before we even get to the opening credits and <laughs> I spent the whole of that song going is it Eddie Murphy is it not Eddie Murphy and it's <laughs> I can't it's I can't remember the name of the actor who's taken over but he's a voice actor and I think he does a lot of kind of these kind of impersonation performances. Yeah. And it's up until the point where we hear Mushu laugh and it's like no that's not Eddie Murphy that's not no. Eddie Murphy's laugh. And again, it's like it's going. Oh, why, why bother? Because I know some, pretty much all of the cast, apart from Eddie Murphy and I think a few other ones, came back for this. Mm-hmm. I think most of them actually came back. Yeah, because I suppose maybe they weren't kind of the, the A game or A or like it's been this. I suppose kind of the most. You've got the likes of George Takai. I think is there yeah. as one. He's as one of the ancestors. Is and mm-hmm. he's there right for I think he is the first line of Mulan too, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, it it just doesn't work. I mean, Mushu this time, it's like he's trying to 
break up the relationship and break up the marriage and this, mm-hmm. that and the other. And it just it's it feels the need to kind of wrap itself all up in a nice neat bow and it it feels much more like a traditional Disney film than Mulan does. Mm-hmm. But that's me from the I saw about 30 minutes at the start. I woke up halfway through it. There was a loud noise. Must have startled me. And I must have kind of woken up. And as I say, there was an unfortunate event. And then I came together at the end. I said, oh. And I was watching it like for the last, you know, nine or ten minutes. I was like, oh, or whatever it is. It's that unfortunate event hasn't happened. So it's all good. <laughs> so I think I've got all the beats of the film. I just haven't necessarily sat down and watched it all. Yeah. No, it, it does feel more akin to the traditional storylines like you said where it's very romance focused it's not at all like the first one but it, it, it kind of feels like they had ideas that they wanted to put into the first film and didn't have room or time for mm. and they just kind of shoved them into the second one and did what they could with what they had which has, a, key, a lot of sequels feel like that here's a key question for you as our resident Disney expert <laughs> and I feel that you might have already answered this so I apologise in advance were there any of those straight to DVD Disney's in that kind of late nineties, early noughties phase that were actually good, that were worth seeking out, particularly now on Disney Plus, I suppose? See when you say good, does that mean objectively good or ones that I enjoyed? Well, you know, I, I will say any that you enjoy. And then you're gonna try and say all of them. I enjoyed no, all no. of them, Jim. Uh, the, the, the first one that comes to mind is Pocahontas 2 and that's mostly because it actually it brings in John Rolfe who the real Pocahontas actually married okay which is interesting she travels I can't remember why but she travels to England because she can yeah, pro- yeah probably is because she can because I remember there's a joke in it where they send another of the Native Americans with her and he has to chop he's got a big staff and a blade and he has to take a chunk off the staff every time he sees a white man Okay. And it's about 10 minutes into the film and he's left with like a tiny little like, <laughs> pick and he just throws it away. <laughs> okay, because oh, I, I don't know if I've seen Pocahontas. I I'm, I'm could have. I think I have. I know Mel Gibson's involved with the first one. I'm assuming mm. he's not involved with, no. with uh, Pocahontas 2. See, I thought you would maybe say the film you've mentioned there, the Aladdin 3. Maybe Aladdin, Aladdin 3 is very good. It's Spoilers if you haven't seen it. Um... I don't want to give too much away, but... It's King out... of Thieves, Prince of Thieves or something, isn't uh, it, Aladdin? King of Thieves. Aladdin king... is a legacy. His father is the King of Thieves. Ah. And his he, his father's one of, one of those weird, like, when you're younger, you're like, hmm, he's, he's, he's quite attractive. And then when you're older, you're like, he's actually closer to my age than Aladdin would be. So I think it's okay to fancy him now. That's all right. It's all good. We're. I feel like um, this is kind of going into therapy for you now. It's oh, okay. do you know what? Do you know what's good? It's not exactly. It's. It's not a sequel. It's a what they're calling a midquel. <laughs> okay. Beauty and the Beast: The Enchanted Christmas. Okay, I don't think I've seen this, this and I know really... my lovely, I know my lovely wife is a huge fan of Beauty and the Beast, so well, I don't know if she's seen this or not. Fa- find out if she's seen it. Tim Curry plays the voice of an e- of an evil organ. Okay. It is very very strange. Sold? I remember. It, it was very, I think the organ's green, because the colour green has come into mind for some strange reason, but it seems to be based between, do you know when they start to fall in love and it's winter? I think it's meant mm-hmm. to be around that time, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's very strange, but that's always one that's stuck with me. 
I'm actually just scrolling through the list here because there's there was a couple of the new and Stitch follow ons. So that was one of the first ones we watched actually when we got Disney Plus because I kind of fell out not fell out but kind of moved away from disney and i remember kind of the the two that i purposely went back to see in the cinema one was the search for atlantis or atlantis whatever it's called i know the the one with michael j fox because my Mm -hmm. flatmate just was like let's we were at university i was like do you want to go to cinema it's like yeah it's like what's on and i was like looking down it's like oh there's a disney film i was like i love disney okay it's like let's let's watch disney let's go see it and it wasn't packed and we went to see it in the in the cinema and loved it and lilo and stitch and i just i mean it's actually i'll be honest actually lilo and stitch is is great and rewatching it the last couple of days you know i've gone yeah it still has a charm it's kind of like the the only bit if i ever want to get a cheer up all i need is kind of the first few minutes of when stitch just arrives on earth and just Mm -hmm. is a just overly aggressive to everything <laughs> and it's just it's just like it's just it's just a little kind of go-to kind of and i was kind of watching it and kind of even now as i say as nearly 40 year old i was kind of laughing <laughs> and you know my lovely wife was like hmm but then actually on that note actually that's another thing and i think it's not specifically done for disney plus but that's another one of those films that disney have went back and their animators have revisited because i know in the original lilo and stitch there's a scene where Lilo hides. I think it's in a wash machine or a drying machine. <laughs> yeah. But they've changed and it. They changed that, didn't it? They changed it to like a cupboard or something because they yeah. didn't want to promote the danger of hiding in a washing machine. Because we all do it. You know, but, I'm an yeah, impre- I'm an impressionable, yeah. nearly forty year old. I might yeah. do it. Um, but I no, because I know I know there's a few of them. I know there's a couple of Star Wars have been changed. Mm-hmm. I know some of the classic cartoons have been changed. And I, when you look back, you go, yeah, you can see why. Uh, See, I, don't, honest, I don't think they should do that the, my sister and I we went to um, there was a week I can't remember what the festival was for but it was a bunch of old films in the QFT and there was one called Kind Hearts and Coronets if you've seen it mm, doesn't ring a bell but from, it's from the 1940s it's about um, a man whose mum dies and he discovers that her family basically disowned her so he goes back and gets revenge on like I think there's 13 family members but they're all played by the same actor Okay. But me and my sister had watched it for A-level film studies and we couldn't remember anything about it. And we went to the cinema and at the very start they had a disclaimer. And it said, there is outdated language in this film. We have decided to keep it in to acknowledge how it was back then because we don't feel it's right to censor it. And I got the whole way through the film, me and my sister were like, did we, did we miss it? Like, is it 1940s slang that we just weren't paying attention to? And then right at the end, there was a an n-word uh-oh yeah and we were like oh oh dear so then on that note just because just because you've made it kind of pop into my head do you think then maybe disney should have put songs of the south up on their platform i see song of the south it's one of those ones i know the song from it and i've read a lot about it but i, I don't feel like i can judge it properly until i've seen it for myself but well, have you never seen it no you I see, I have, I definitely, I definitely had it on oh, VHS. Really? I definitely had it in VHS because I know I had seen it. Because you know, zippity doo da, zippity zay. Yeah. You know, it's it's actually weirdly still one of Disney's most popular songs. Yeah. And I think Disney still makes a lot of money from that song, but they just won't show mm-hmm. the film. And I know, I know, I have it. I know I have it. Either it's been recorded or something. Because I know I have seen that. Because mm-hmm. I have a vivid memory of watching it at my grandmother's, 
and not a kind of thing was muttered about why this might be inappropriate in any possible way. But those were those were different times, listeners. Yeah, different Good. times. On the Disney podcast I listen to, they have a funny section that they call Disney's Racism Corner. Mm-hmm. Because they talk about, like, for example, in Dumbo, that's one of the good examples where it's the, the crows. Yeah. Who are literally called Jim Crow, which is yeah. ridiculous. But again, it was. They make the good point of it was of the time, but that doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was always something that was wrong. But apparently, on some of the Disney. Uh, anniversary DVDs from say about 10 years ago they actually do say in the special features that they decided to keep it in because of it's an example of what it was like back then because you can't just pretend it didn't happen No, you don't, it is, you don't learn from it it is very true it is true um, it's I'm not surprised I'm like I'm not surprised that Disney aren't releasing it. I mean it is the one that they are trying their very best yeah. to kind of just kind of push underneath the, the carpet and exist never and wish it never happened but mm. we, you then look counter that by going but you have a song from that film that is still one of your most popular Disney songs it's still well known mm-hmm. and it's still something that in any in any like kind of now that's what I call Disney kind mm-hmm. of CDs it's still there so they're happy to make money from the song see that bo- just... the, the hypocrisy of that bothers me but then this is Disney though yeah <laughs> D- Disney's something that's quite hot you hate that you love it mm. because of what, not not because of the films that they've done previously, because of what the company's become. Yeah, it's it's a hard one to defend, I think. But you know, you're a resident Disney expert. So that's your job, <laughs> Victoria. That's your job as our go-to <laughs> Disney journalist. You have mm. to defend them. You know, we've we've talked quite a bit about the the two films. We've talked quite about a few films with on mm. on Disney Plus's service. You know, definitely, I would recommend from just properly sitting down to watch it this week. I would recommend Moonlight if you're stuck for nothing to do. If you've got young kids, definitely watch it. You know, you've you've heard what impact it had on four, possibly five year old Victoria Brown. Uh, the sequel's there; it exists. It's pixels on a screen, but we might not necessarily say you've got to seek it out. But uh, you know, generally, you know, before we kind of bring things to a close, Victoria, just your hopes of what you're kind of like you were kind of saying you'd seen the trailer, but kind of about half an hour before this recording, so you were clearly excited about the live action. <laughs> although you've already admitted that you have problems with the live action mm-hmm. remakes. That because I mean, I have a problem. I said this in, on the the TV show this week. I have a problem with Disney with this obsession they've got of revisiting mm-hmm. their their animated back catalogue because I think you know in 10 years time i think it just causes a creativity void yeah. and i think then what what do you then do do you then go well we'll just go down the sequel. So i think that's what they're doing with aladdin they're going to go down the sequel route to this yeah. live action and you go there's writers and you know to an extent like animators there's writers animators and stuff that could be working on something else much mm-hmm. more creative than this um but, but that's just me but clearly you are excited by this live action Mulan it is going to be much closer to the original story mm-hmm. Disney have been very careful in how they've managed it because I know there's kind of a lot of, of lot of those kind of stories they can think of stuff like Ghosts in the Shell mm-hmm. things like anime adaptations that have been seen as whitewashing and western yeah. actress they, they, they haven't done that here with Mulan, it does seem to think it does seem like something that they are very much gearing as being sellable, not just to us mm-hmm. in 
the West with our nostalgia for the animated film, but very much something that they're going to sell front and centre to an Asian audience as being this is something for you. Mm-hmm. We can't really review it because we haven't seen it, but clearly you've admitted you've had those problems. But are you still excited by this? No, I'm very excited and I'm glad they're sticking to the original legend. more. The main reason I have with the live action remakes, if you want to call them that, is that they don't bring anything new. Like you like you said, The Lion King was pretty much shot for shot, the exact Oh, shot for film. shot, beyond, I think, Beyonce's song. That's mm-hmm. it. And and the and Beyonce's character, the love interest for Simba, getting a, a slightly bigger role than what she would have had before. Mm-hmm. But then that's because, you know, it's the sister that is Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind. Like I really enjoyed Beauty and the Beast because it went into Belle's family's background. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I think what Disney do well is when they give more depth to it. And I think that's what they're going to do with Mulan. And I'm glad they are. There was yeah. a big focus in the trailer on the phoenix rather than the dragon. And there's a lot of, like, feminine empowerment stuff. And like you said, it is an all-Asian cast. It, it's not just something for the West who aren't used to Chinese culture. It's something that's f- as much for them as it is for people in the UK or America. So yeah. I was I was glad to see that. I'm I have to I'm looking forward to and it's a case of maybe I can come at this slightly fresher than someone like you because I don't have that huge amount of nostalgia mm. that's attached to my childhood for Mulan. So I'm not going in with that expectation. I can enjoy this kind of as fresh as can be. You've kind of ruined it for me, Victoria, because I kind of <laughs> had to watch the 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 animated for this and have now kind of fallen in love a bit with Chang because he's a bit of a beefcake so <laughs> things are going to change now but just you know because just because you mentioned like I I quite like the Beauty and the Beast live action remake myself mm-hmm. you know have that song is that Dan Stevens is playing yes. the Beast and he's is it Evermore mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, which is the new song because all these yeah. all these new live actions they always say well we've got one new song I say oh okay. <laughs> You spend all that money and you've got one new song. All right. But um, I think of off the new kind of... I mean, well, the one I love the most, actually, I'll be honest, is Cinderella. And it's not just kind of because it was around the time I was kind of getting going with Bantaflix and I got access to Kenneth Branagh and all that kind of stuff. But it's not just that. But I think Beauty and the Beast was when they, when they did that new song kind of thing. That song mm-hmm. actually works really, really well in adding a bit of kind of gravitas and, and again fleshing out the character of mm-hmm. of Beast as opposed to the weird kind of pop song I know you haven't seen it but the pop song that pops up in Aladdin for Jasmine yeah. and I can't remember is it voiceless I can't remember I can't remember uh, speechless I think that's what it's called and I know it's all meant to be all about female empowerment and kind of off the time it just doesn't work because it doesn't sit with the original songs from the original. Mm-hmm. It just feels too poppy. But whereas Evermore, I think that's what it's called, fits yeah. in with those originals. If that makes sense in my typical rambly way. No, no, I get you. It fits with the tone. Whereas something, if like you said, if it is like a pop thing, it probably doesn't fit with what they're trying to do. So mm. it, it is a bit jarring. Yeah. Um, I'm just having a wee look here at what other live action remix come up. There's the Emma Stone's Cruella. Yeah. Which I'm not who looking forward to Peter Pan and Wendy uh, the Jungle Book sequel there's there's two Snow Whites coming out there's one called Snow White and Seven Dwarfs and there's one called Rose Red so I don't know what they're doing there uh, there's Pinocchio 
Sword in the Stone, which is one of my favourites, and I wish they would leave it alone. <laughs> we we rewatched that this week, and I had uh, great shame in admitting to my lovely wife <laughs> that I think I might have admitted already this to you that when I watched Sword and Stone when I was younger, I cried because, and it's weird really? now when you, I cried because just the scene at the very start because what I do actually one thing from rewatching these animations. How short they are it kind of surprised oh, yeah. me. I know, like, animation's a lot of work, particularly back kind of in the times of Sword of Stone and stuff. Not like mm. the original time of Sword and Stone, but when the animation was out, how time consuming it would be. But it wasn't that long. We put it on, and uh, I said, Oh, I remember there's a sequence where he becomes uh, is it a squirrel? Mm-hmm. A squirrel, and uh, there's the female squirrel takes the yeah. kind of. She she's very amorous, and you're kind of going, "That's not great for female betrayal." But you're like, "No, well, it's okay," because then like Merlin explains it, and he says it's because yeah. you know squirrels. I don't know if this is true or not. I'm based on my kind of natural knowledge of squirrels based on uh, one Disney film. But when a, a female squirrel chooses a mate, she chooses it for life. Mm-hmm. And I got really upset when I was younger and had a full on blub. My mum talks about this quite. At the end, whenever he transforms back into a boy. Oh, it's her wee face and it just when she's crying on her own and it just goes to fade to black and you're like mm-hmm. she, just doesn't, she doesn't understand and she no, never she understands d- she doesn't understand and it's the bit I was <laughs> kind of I can it's like do you like do the episode of the Simpsons because we've been watching the Simpsons it's that <laughs> bit where like uh, Bart has the TV recording of um, Lisa and she's out on a date with Ralph it's like, <gasps> yes and you like, you can see the if you pause it you can see the exact moment his heart breaks well yeah. that's that <laughs> sequence were kind of like I was kind of going as Amber was like is it here and she's like looking down at him and he's kind of become a boy and she's like where's the where's the hot hunky squirrel went and he's like told (laughs) told you I wasn't a squirrel I'm a boy and then she goes up to the tree and I was like going no it's not the bit where she's just looking out and having the tear it's a bit where she's right at the top of the treetops and she Mm -hmm. just kind of looking out and I was just like this is tougher than Bambi (laughs) this is this is tougher than Bambi Uh, this is bringing back memories so yeah so there you go, listeners. Um, I, uh, I not only did I have to be removed from the cinema at Ghostbusters too. I also cried at Sword and Stone. And let's not even that's for another. Uh, the the story of when I got really upset watching an episode of Lassie is definitely for another podcast. That's that's I can't I can't relive too much trauma. Uh, you know, the less said about that, the better. Look, uh, I think we're nearly out of time. Uh, I think we all have to go back and uh, get back into self isolation mode, mm-hmm. Victoria. But just before we do, just, you know, as, as always, I always love to put you on the spot. Uh, just kind of a question that kind of popped in there. And I don't think we've ever got round to asking you this. So there you said roughly, I think Mulan is like your number six mm-hmm. in your top kind of ten Disney films. Mm-hmm. Do you want us to give a, a, a kind of rough kind of rundown in a kind of top of the pop? Ding, 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 ding. Styly of your top ten or what kind of, as our resident Disney expert, a.k.a. Disney journalist, a.k.a. you know, just the person who loves Disney the most within the Bantflix ranks. <laughs> you know, what are the are the films you think that viewers, I know we've kind of talked about a few in a rambly way here on this podcast, but what are the ones you think that right now if people are at home, they've got Disney Plus, what are the things, maybe the hidden gems that you would recommend that they seek out? Hidden gems? Um... If you haven't seen Alice in Wonderland, I know everyone's familiar with the aesthetic of it, but if you haven't seen the film, please go watch it. It is something else. Walt Disney was obsessed with Alice in Wonderland. That was the first thing he, tr- he ever tried to make. 
there was a lot of early live action experiments with it, so it's something that was really close to Walt Disney's heart. So I would definitely recommend that. Um, Jim, you have not seen Hercules. Add it to your list. Okay, I'll, I'll watch Hercules. Her- See, when you when you say Hercules, all I think of is Hercules, Hercules. But I know that's not from <laughs> that film. I know that's not from that oh, film. Please, it is. It's again. It's kind of like Mulan. It's in the silver tier because it's not. It's not peak Disney, but it's very good. Okay. Like it's it's it, one I never get sick of. It's not Aladdin two Return of Jafar is what you're saying. <laughs> okay, that's all right. And oh. um, again, Sword in the Stones probably one a lot of people haven't mm-hmm. seen, and yeah. Robin, Robin Hood actually as well. Yes, because that's Seems a film that you cried at. If I if I if I recall right from a previous podcast, there's the there's the the animated film that makes you cry. Yeah, it's because when it's the little child's birthday and the mean sheriff comes and takes his coin away and his, his wee face just kills me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't control my tears because he's just so upset. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think what else. Hmm. Pocahontas is one I would always push on people. Okay. Because Pocahontas and The Lion King were being made at the same time. And initially... The Lion King was going to be their B picture, and Pocahontas was the one they were putting all their effort into. So it's strange to look back on it now, considering like what a what an impact the Lion King has yeah. made on Disney. Yeah, I would agree. Because funny, when I was watching, or I suppose in all honesty, rewatching Mulan, the one film it left me wanting to watch again, and it's probably I don't know, maybe you'll you'll clearly kind of correct me that I'm wrong. Um. Or correct me when I'm wrong. The one that Mulan makes me want to go back and rewatch is Moana. It really works. It's just because yeah. it's, it's just, there's a lot of similar themes, mm-hmm. and even in the way, you know, I know we've talked earlier on about the animation style. Like she's mm-hmm. not kind of, and I know you've wrote a lot about kind of the female portrayal in Disney movies. Like she's not. I'm going to be careful how I word this, but this was mm-hmm. the only way I can put it. She's not an oversexualized. Not no, that Disney no, have, not. not that Disney really have oversex. Well, you will probably correct me if they have oversexualized no, characters. I don't, I don't even think they've oversexualized them. They've overfeminized them. That's the better way of putting it. Overfeminized. There we go. That sounds much better than me kind of looking <laughs> back with this watching Disney movies with a cigarette, going, "She's too sexual. She's too sexy." But anyway, you knew you knew what I meant. So she's not overfeminized in the mm-hmm. same way that other Disney characters have been. Uh, I don't think Pocahontas is necessarily, maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong there, but watching it, like, it left me going, I really want to watch Moana now. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, but it's also because I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson and he's in that terror. <laughs> no, you're, it, it, it has a lot of similar themes. Like she's, she's trying to make peace with the fact that she does come from a long line of ancestry and there's a lot of honour and... <sighs> What's the word? There's a sense of her trying to forge her own identity while maintaining a sense of where she came from, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. I think a lot of people appreciate that because it's it's not like it was like when the early Disney films were out when men and women were expected to do very specific things. Like it, it's not like that anymore. Yeah, I'd like to hope. Yeah, yeah. So i think that's it unless there's anything else victoria you feeling your three and a half pages of notes not that i would bring that up again if there's anything we have left any stone we have left unturned within those three and a half pages no i think we're good okay that's all good so that pretty much means we can bring this podcast to a close thank you very much victoria thank you jim 
as as always, I say this to all our contributors in a minute. Keep remembering to keep your distance, wash your hands, mm. and uh, stay safe. And same goes to you listeners. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We'll be back next week with another recording of We Need to Talk About Movies. But for now, until then, goodbye. Goodbye.